Welcome everyone. We're excited to share some country wisdom with you. King Solomon had a thing or two to say about the path to wisdom. In Proverbs 4, he wrote, let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Keep straight the path of your feet and all your ways will be sure. Join us now for Country Wisdom. Melissa, Jim tells me that this looks like your home country, Costa Rica. Yes, he does. I've not had the privilege of going there. Is he telling the truth? He is. Actually, it looks very, very similar to Costa Rica. You know, the tree and the river is very nice. Yeah, it reminds me a lot to Costa Rica. You know, what's really missing here, though, that we don't have is the birds. I mean, I can see the big toucans flying, you know, and calling out and all the parrots, you know. Do you, do you miss that a little bit about Costa Rica? I do, I do. I miss Costa Rica a lot. What was it like growing up for you? What was your childhood like? Well, um, unfortunately, my childhood, it was really, really tough. Um, I grew up in a home where my dad wasn't present. Uh, my mom, she was an alcoholic. She was a young mom. So at the age of, at a very early age, I had to responsibility of my baby brother who was at that time four and, and how old were you i was six so i had to take care of my brother babysit him and i have an older brother who he was eight and you know he was helping the best way they could but unfortunately we we were just raised in the streets my mom wasn't home you know she was either working and when she wasn't working she was drinking and you know many times she was in trouble so she was in jail so pretty much we had to learn how to survive and, you know, how to, to, I guess, be raised just in the streets, you know, three little kids. How and often did you see your mom? Did she show up at home from time to time? I mean, she was coming home, I guess, almost every day when she could, but she was coming home like two in the morning, three in the morning. Sometimes we were sleeping and then she was leaving to work very early and... Many times, like, like I said, she didn't come home. And we were always waiting for her, but she was just, she wasn't present because of this addiction. It, it really, it got her really, really bad. As you got a little older, how did you manage, how did you support yourself? Well, Did you um, have an education? Were you going to school? Well, um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to like finish my high school. So I do remember them, as I get a little bit older, uh, one of my aunts, she kind of stepped in and she took me with her. And my oldest brother, he ended up in a um, like orphanage, a place where they were kind of raising him or whatever. And my baby brother, who knows where he was. It was such a tough situation. So I have a vague memory of me going to school, but I think I went to school until fourth grade and really I didn't finish. And then I escaped from my own house and I went back, I guess, to the streets and lived with my mom the best way I, we could. And my brother, my older brother, he escaped from that place too and he didn't go back. I mean, despite we were living in the streets, we wanted to be all together the best way we could. In this case for you in Costa Rica, San Jose, right? That's yes. A big yeah. city. Yeah. What was living on the streets? So what did that mean? Did you have any place or you just out all the time? Well, we were living in a small room the floor, it was dirt, and it was built of um, like metal. I don't know 
How yeah. do you? Tin. Yeah, like yeah. a tin. Uh, that was the only thing my mom, she was able to afford for us. Um, we were sleeping in like cardboard, you know, because we didn't have a mattress. So it was just really, really poor, really tough. And um, we had to, I guess, steal to be able to feed ourselves. So we were like stealing bread or we were going to different farms and places where they have like mango and oranges and I guess whatever fruit they have and just, I guess, jump the gate and just get all the fruit and be able to feed ourselves because we just didn't have any food and we were starving and my mom just wasn't present and, and she just couldn't be present. It was just too much for her. When you quit school after fourth grade, mm -hmm. uh, what kind of jobs could you find? Well, um, I started working at the age of 12 years old because I, I had the responsibility to take care of my brothers because obviously my mom, she wasn't emotionally stable to do it. So at the age of 12, I started uh, working cleaning houses. So I was cleaning houses. Um, I was working like in the small restaurants, uh, but mainly just cleaning houses and just trying to make a living to help my family. Did you end up getting in the drug scene and drinking scene? Well, mm -hmm. when I turned 15 years old, I remember then I was introduced uh, to alcohol and that was my mom. She gave me a beer and she opened it to and me. And you said your mother was an alcoholic. She was an alcoholic, yeah. She struggled with that for many years, for over 30 years. So she gave me my first beer and I started drinking at the age of 15. And then that leads to start smoking and that leads to start, you know, smoking weed and that's yeah, it's got worse and worse. Yeah. Yeah, it just really started getting really worse. And then I became an alcoholic myself, you know. At what age did you, uh, well, you're here in the United States now. At what yeah. age did you finally decide or, or to come here? Well, I was in a previous relationship. So at the age of 25, I, the opportunity to move to the U.S. came because of this relationship. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to bury my past and the street life, and I'm gonna move to another country and I guess start fresh to see if I was able to get rid of. Did that work? No. Start, let's start a whole new life anyway. Right. Let's, I know we all probably want to sit down. There's a great chair. Why don't we all go down yeah, over here? Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Tell the rest of the story. Yes, absolutely. Hey, Janice, how are you doing? Hey, you wrote another book. I did. Had a burden on my heart, and God helped me get it done. So, The Plan of Love. What's it about? Well, it's really about God in eternity. Saw everything that was going to happen here. And his amazing love, he says, I'm going to take care of the problems. I'm going to take care of the situation by giving my own life. He did all that, but we've been lied to so much, we don't see what God has planned for us, what God is doing for us. Matter of fact, the angel came down to Mary and said, uh, you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their, their sins. sins. Notice it wasn't in, but from. Where can people get the book? Hey, I'm glad you asked. Folks, if you'd like your own personal copy, log on to TalkingDonkeyInternational.org. And oh, please, if you would, send us a donation of $12. Or more. Or more. And uh, we'll get you the book, and I'll be happy to sign it for you, too. Thank you so much. My kids once came across a bundle of old love letters from their dad to me. They thought they were hysterical, but those letters still mean something to me. 
They're concrete reminders of just how much I was, and still am, loved. The Bible is full of love letters, to us, from God. This little tract has dozens of them. If you need some concrete reminders of just how much God loves you, get your free copy of A Love Letter from Jesus. Go to TalkingDonkeyInternational.org and request offer number 122, A Love Letter from Jesus. Wow, feels good to come over here and sit down. Glad we thought of this. Right. Yes. You were leaning against the bridge, though. What are you complaining about? Well, I can still complain. <laughs> now, when we were over on the bridge, you had just said you were 25. Yes. And came to the States. Mm -hmm. And did life get a whole lot better at that point? Well, actually, um, it did and it didn't. Because um, the alcoholic issues I have, they got really, really worse. Uh, smoking got really worse. And now I had the money to afford it. To feed the habit. Exactly. So it got 10 times worse. You say, yeah, I mean, you're already an alcoholic and it got worse. How do you get worse than being an alcoholic? Well, because I don't know, in my case, I was um, in Costa Rica, I was limited to drink because I didn't have the money to afford it. But now in the US, I'm working, I'm making money and I'm drinking every single day. Okay. Yep. Can I be nosy and ask how much? How much? How much, yeah. Well, I used to drink a lot of beer. So I was drinking, I don't know, sometimes I was drinking 12, 13 beers in a day. I was drinking uh, like vodka, tequila, uh, shots of... Uh, All on the same day. Yeah, it just depends on the occasion. Sometimes you go to the club and you just start drinking beer and shots. And I mean, just really, a really, really sad, you know, situation and smoking a lot. Then you met someone. Yes. And am I correct? You met him in a bar? I did, yeah. Yeah, that's when uh, Phil came into the picture. I went to a party and he was there. And then pretty much that's how I met him. He's an alcoholic. He smokes like really heavy and I do too. And it's almost like, okay, I made, I made my match <laughs> at that time. Wow. Terrible. <laughs> yeah. But this seemed like the guy for you. Well, at the moment, it, it kind of, you know, I'm just having a lot of trust issues because of the ways, I, the way I was brought up with our father. So I, I'm, I'm not trusting guys at all. And I'm very, very cautious when it comes to a guy and that moment, you know. But he's a, a really handsome six foot seven guy. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I was super attracted to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, not, I'm not denying it. <laughs> he is a cutie. <laughs> so Thank where, you. Where did it go from there? Well, when I met Phil, he was out on bail. And he told me that he had a case pending. Um, really didn't know what was. Didn't tell you what it was about. He, he kind of told me about, but I just didn't know how bad it was, the situation. I have to tell you, as a mother of a daughter who, you know, is, she's single. She's uh, one of these days, I hope she'll meet someone. The thought of her meeting someone in a bar who's on bail. Yeah. I, Who's an alcoholic? Yeah. This yeah. is horrifying. Yeah, it was it was really crazy, but for the environment that I was brought up, to me that was normal. You know, it was normal to meet somebody with tons of addictions and damage in life because I was damaged myself. So, I guess you had no concept of anything else. Not at all. I never I never knew a good man. 
So for me, this, this was normal, I guess. So he's out on bail and you told him, okay, I'll wait for you. When well, he's out on bail, and then we start getting attached, we start hanging out, we are friends. And then when I realize, you know, he has to go to court, and they sentence him, and they take him out away from me. How, how long did this time period of dating go on before the court? I will say probably like eight months. And then a court date? And then the court day. Tell us about being in court. I assume you were in court. Yeah, I went the other day to court. I wanted to figure out what was going on, and I wanted to support him. And, you know, they show all the proof. They show the, you know, the prosecutor, the judge, everything. And Can I stop you just for a second? Proof of what? Of, uh, you know, the bullets that he shot on the air, uh, the drugs that they found in the car, the, the guns without the permit, or one with permit and the other one, two without permit. So they show all this proof, and he was sentenced. And they, right away in front of me, they handcuffed him, and they took him away from me. Pretty traumatic moment. But you yeah. stuck with him. Did you tell him you'd wait for him? I didn't. Actually, I just wanted to, um, like, run away. Uh, I already have a lot of issues in, in my life, and I... I just didn't want to have more issues than the ones that I already had. You know, I already had a messed up life and I'm putting myself in something 10 times worse. So I'm just trying to escape and I'm trying to be on denial Then I wanted to support him. But at the end, I, I did, I support him. I just, my conscience didn't allow me to, to leave him in that place. But you <laughs> never seen anybody hauled away in shackles, especially now your boyfriend. Yeah, I, that was, um, you know, despite where I grew up in the ghetto and Costa Rica and all the things I saw, I guess I, I was, I never saw such a crazy scene in my life, something like that. Like I saw criminals all the time, but never, I was never in a court. So for me, that was really traumatic. And it was someone that you'd grown attached to. Exactly, exactly. Someone that, that you love and someone that, that you want to be with. So what happened after he went to prison? Well, we, we had to, when he went to prison, we stopped talking uh, for a while. He was not able to talk, and I was, like I said, trying to run away from this situation. And then all of a sudden, he reached out to me, and he's another man, and I did not even know what was happening to him. He's another man? Pretty much, yeah. Was, was this in a phone call or a letter or what? Well, he called me and he said that uh, he was praying for me. And he was really Was he a, a man of prayer before he went to prison? Never. He did not even read the Bible. He didn't even talk about God. He told me many times and if he died one, one day, he probably, you know, would go, I guess, you know, to hell because he, he knew that he wasn't safe and he knew that he was not living, living right. So reach back to that moment, you get this phone call, it's Phil, and he tells you this, what on earth is going through your mind? Well, in my case, I'm just, I'm not, I'm just shocked because I'm drinking, I'm drinking more than I ever drank before because I'm depressed about him being in prison and all this craziness happening in my life. And all of a sudden, he's telling me he's praying for me. And he's, um, he starts memorizing verses of the Bible and start telling me all these God's, God's promises. And I just could not believe it. 
I was like, <laughs> what is happening? Look at the phone. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what is happening over here? And I see how God is transforming his life. And is his that what made you curious, seeing those changes in him, going, why is he different? What is it he's learning that has made him this, I would assume, a new, improved version of your boyfriend? Well, definitely, I start seeing improvement. And, you know, when he get out there, he was a different person and he wanted to get married. He doesn't want to live this life anymore. And I just couldn't believe it. I don't even, I mean, I get so excited because he was a new person. He was not the person that went to that prison. And when he got out there, he was a new individual. So part of you liked what you were hearing, but the other part kind of scared you. Definitely, definitely. I rejected because he was telling me many things that I never heard before. And he was witnessing to me and I was just scared because I didn't have a father in my life. And to me, the idea that God want, wanted to be my dad, it just shocked me. Then he wanted to save me. Then, then he sent his son Jesus Christ to save me. I just couldn't believe it. You know, I had so much um, sin in my life that I just couldn't believe that somebody died for me and then somebody wants to give me a new life. And I, I couldn't believe it. And it took me a while to even process this thought. Then God wanted to give me a better life and then he wanted to give me a new life. And then he wanted to remove all these horrible habits and things that I had in my life. And did you find, was it difficult to give those things up or did you find the power like right away? It was, it was at first it was difficult because I was on denial then, then, then God will do these things for me. And I didn't want to surrender my heart to him. I, you could see the changes in Phil, but you weren't sure that it would work for you? Something like that. Or not sure that that's what you wanted even. I guess in that moment I was so, attached to sin, then I didn't want to let it go because that's how it's a way to put it. Sometimes we love sin more than God and we don't see the light. We just want to keep holding on this, not realizing that God wants to give you something better, but you just don't want to let it go. Didn't like your life, but you didn't. It was a safe place to be still. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So eventually, I mean, I see all the changes on field. I see him witnessing to me. We start going to church, people on the church. How long was he in jail though? So he gets out of jail now. How long was he there? Phil? Yeah. I will say probably like eight months. Eight months. Mm -hmm. Then he gets out. So now you're face to face with this changed person. Tell me just a little about, about that. What was that like to? Well, um, he spent the majority of his time reading the Bible. And I was coming home from work and he was reading the Bible. I was leaving in the morning to work and he was praying in the living room and doing devotional <laughs> time and reading the Bible. And I'm just thinking, what is it about the Bible and God and what is it about these men doing all these things? I just didn't understand what was happening. Did you get a little bit jealous about the time he was spending in the Bible and with God? No, I did not. I did not. Actually, I was happy for him because I realized that he found something that I didn't have in that moment. And he was happy and he was at peace. And I was very happy for him. You got married and you have an adorable little girl. Yes. Uh, life has to be very different now than you might have ever envisioned your life. Yes. 
yeah, I just, I just never thought that God would even give me the privilege to have a family and to have a normal life. Because now I'm realizing that the life that I had, it wasn't a normal life. And God wanted to give me a normal life with my daughter, with my husband. And he just wanted to deliver me from all the things that I just hold up from my past. Jim, you just recently finished a new book, The Plan of Love. I just read it and I actually loved it. I read it all in one sitting uh, over the course of the same day anyway. Where can people get it? They can actually go to TalkingDonkeyInternational.org and actually if you give a gift to the ministry of $12 or more, we'll send you the book completely free. TalkingDonkeyInternational.org Actually, if you give a gift to the ministry of $12 or more, we'll send you the book completely free and I'll autograph it for you also. My kids once came across a bundle of old love letters from their dad to me. They thought they were hysterical, but those letters still mean something to me. They're concrete reminders of just how much I was, and still am, loved. The Bible is full of love letters, to us, from God. This little tract has dozens of them. If you need some concrete reminders of just how much God loves you, get your free copy of A Love Letter from Jesus. Go to TalkingDonkeyInternational.org and request offer number 122, A Love Letter from Jesus. I think that one of the things you said early on is so important to many of the viewers out there they've never had a real father figure. They've never had a real father. You didn't. No. How do you relate now to God as being your loving father? God has been the best thing ever happened to me. And I never thought that I'm gonna have a father that loved me the way he does, that supply all of my needs, that he knows the way I feel, that he knows everything about me. And, and still loves you. Exactly. I find myself, because I know all of my faults, even though I, I hide most of them and, and look pretty good in public, you know what your mind is really like. You know the thoughts that are there and how far you are sometimes from exactly. where you know God wants you. And the fact that he has never given up on me. Never, yeah, exactly. It, it's incredible. Yeah, it's just amazing because like I said, the way that he loved me is just overwhelming. I melt when I think about him. He just melt my heart. And I'm realizing, yeah, it's true, I didn't have a father figure growing up, but I have the best father I can ever, ever have in life. And he preserved me all these years, despite where I was, despite how I grew up. Many people from my neighborhood didn't make it. Many people, they ended up being prostitutes, drug dealers, uh, and drugs. So many terrible things, you know? And I always thinking, God, why me? Why did you choose me? And I always think about all these things and think about His love and His mercy and the fact that He gave me a normal life. 
stability, something that I always, always look for all my life. Because a lot of people don't have a normal life, describe now what you're calling normal, if you would. A normal life to me is a life in Christ. It's a life where, I don't know how to explain, like it's just a, a life when you feel peace, when you feel like you are doing the right thing, when you feel like you are doing God's will. That's, that's to me a normal life, a life that God wants all of us to have. Do you still, uh, you know, you're married, do you still have fights? Do you still have money <laughs> problems and issues? Of you course. mean, did being, becoming a Christian solve all issues? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You of said course, you're always going to have issues. Life is not going to be perfect. But what I can tell you is this. When you have God as a center of your marriage, as a center of your life, all these things can be worked out. So that's the beauty of having God in your life. Then you know He will forgive you, He will cleanse you, He will pick you up, and He will get you going. And that's what he, do, he does for us. That's, I mean, you, know, you can't say it better, you know. Where do you envision the two of you and your beautiful child? What's the direction of life now in the future? Any idea? Well, what is it you're doing at the moment? Because when you have something, a gift that is as wonderful as when you discover what, what God, He died for you, He wants you to have this better life, you really can't help not wanting to share it. Exactly. Well, ever since, um, you know, God, Christ shoes us, we just want to serve Him. We want to be in ministry and we want many people to know that God will get them out from the, this dark hole where they are. Then God will make something out of nothing because He did it with me. And then there is salvation in Christ. And that's what we want people to know, and that's why we want to work for him all the rest of our lives. So almost, from almost killing yourself and drugs and alcohol and everything else, to your husband almost shooting someone and, and in prison, to now you're in ministry. By the grace of God, yeah, yes. that's incredible. Yes. <laughs> My husband is in, um, is in the school. He's in a pastoral program. And we just want to get equipped and be prepared to work for the Lord. What would you tell others that, that may be watching the program today? What would you tell them why they should try what you're trying? I will say to them, you know, even if you have daddy issues, mommy issues, you can be an orphan. Whatever you're going through right now, just trust in God. Pray to Him. Seek Him in a humble heart. There is something about a humble heart that God will never, never reject it. Just pray to Him and ask Him for direction and ask Him, Lord, I want to get to know you. Show me who you are and He will show it to you and He will guide you. Just surrender your life to Him. Don't stop holding on all these addictions. Stop holding on all these resentments from the past and the only thing they are doing is eating you alive. You are a slave of these habits. You are a slave of all these groceries that you're holding from your dad, from your mom, from your siblings. Just surrender all to Christ and He will renew your heart and your mind. Amen, amen. Folks, I want to tell you, that's the key. Surrender, give it a try. We serve an amazing God. He's a tremendous God. She knows what she's talking about. And this is actually really a two-part series. Her husband is on another episode. Philip, watch for him. It's an incredible testimony also. Put the two of them together 
and you find about a couple that got dug out of the sewer. Can I say that out yes, of the sewer? Yes, we did. And, and have set them up on a pinnacle. Give it a try, it's wonderful. Thank you for watching. Join us again for another exciting country wisdom. See you next time.